And welcome to the podcast Against Disease. I'm your host, Natalie Fodiatis, and we are continuing with our COVID Around the World mini series. We're hearing from voices all around the globe to talk to them about how the COVID 19 pandemic has affected them. So today we have another pair of sisters and a family that are in two different locations. We have Bill and Anki who are in Cleveland. And we have Ulrika, who is Anki's sister, in Sweden. So welcome to the show. We also have Ulrika's daughter, Alice. We may have Bill and Anki's children joining us as well later on in the show. So welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. Starting with with Bill and Anki, why don't you introduce yourselves to our guests? Tell us where you're from, where you live now, and what you do for work, and if you have any other projects that you want to highlight as well. I am Anki Donahue. I am from Sweden, but I live in the United States since many years back, and uh, we live in Cleveland, Ohio. We have two boys, Ryan and Michael. I work in the office that my husband has started. It's a medical practice. He can tell you about that. I'm uh, Bill Donahue. I am a practicing podiatrist. I've been in practice for 30 years. I interface with the Cleveland Clinic. I have a practice there, so I specialize in lower extremity wound care. I do outpatient elective surgical procedures at at a... outpatient surgical facility, and then have two offices on both sides of Cleveland. Great. Thank you. And Ulrika, great to have you. Hi, Ulrika Palmgren. I'm Anki's sister. I live in Stockholm, Sweden. been living here for almost as long as you have been in the U.S., Anki, so like 20 years. (laughs) I work in the IT business. I work with uh, solutions for databases and a lot of our work is done today not because of the corona because we work like that and has been for many years in a distance okay i have two kids i have alice i have victoria 13 and 17 and i have my husband kalle who works with welfare technology so it's also very interesting for him great great thank you great to have everyone So let's start with our our group in Cleveland. Can you tell us what the situation is like for for you with COVID right now? When COVID started, we were attentive to the news and we were, uh, we pretty much went about daily life with the rest of our community members as uh, just watching the developments, but no change in lifestyle. Then Uh, About a month ago, when social distancing and social restrictions started, we began to to just see essential patients in our office. I work for a large multi-specialty group, so the group has about 500 providers, and we, the organization led the charge on instructing us on what types of restrictions would be put in place for our practice. So those included just limiting our patient flow to just essential patients. 
And uh, at the hospital where I'm working, I can only do urgent or emergent surgical procedures. Because of that volume decrease, three of our staff members were put on unemployment, which was true throughout the entire organization and consistent with most employers that we know. So that was a big change. The downside was that we've been compromised in in the ability to deliver care across the board. The upside, I guess, was that we've been able to enjoy closer family time together because uh, our children, well, our teenagers and young adults, one of whom is a sophomore in college, then moved back home, which disrupted his his sophomore year, and we have a senior in high school, and they just switched to distance learning platforms. So that was that was a big adjustment, particularly for our son in college. As a college sophomore coming home at the end of his sophomore year to spend time with his parents was... Um, not could, so popular. Yeah, yeah. Right, probably not but what he, he imagined. Has, he has actually... He has adjusted now. <laughs> he has adjusted, and I think that he's gained a, he has admittedly gained a greater appreciation for being together as a family once again, particularly in these uh, tenuous times. Yeah. And they gotten used to study online, both of them, which uh, has been worked out fine for us. And, but I have worked much less, too, in the office. I usually work maybe three days there, but I have only worked one day per week now since this started. Okay. You mentioned that a big part of your, one part of your practice is elective surgery, so that's obviously not happening now. Correct. Yeah. Elective surgeries are, we just, the ban was lifted and we, we will start doing elective cases next week. Okay. So elective surgeries can be done both at the hospitals and at the surgical centers. It's been interesting to observe the patient population because people rapidly adapted to the personal protection protocols Mm -hmm. and have been very accepting of that. And that's true also in our community. And the patients, they are sitting outside in their cars and they are called in one at a time. So it's in a very safe way that they are seen individually and uh, they feel very good about that yeah so they're not sitting in a waiting room with with other people and when you said people your patients and the people in in the community have adapted very well to the personal protective equipment measures you mean masks or something else masks distance no close exchange of greeting anymore and they have adapted very well to the restrictions placed on entering and exiting a variety of the community locations, like picking up food at a restaurant or going to Home Depot. There are always lines, and people are very understanding and I think have just listen. Yeah, they listen well and they've adapted well as far as timing goes. You could see people sitting in their car in the parking lot before they go and stand in a line, just waiting for the line to get shorter. Okay. And then um, in terms of the extent of the measures that you were faced with in Cleveland, you said that some of them are being lifted already, but did you have a total shutdown where 
restaurants were all closed aside from takeout and schools yep. you, you said were closed. Is that changing now? Yeah. Schools are going to be closed for the rest of the semester. And since we have a senior, they are still planning on what to do for their graduation. graduation. It will not be a regular graduation and they didn't get their prom either, mm-hmm. but it's a great school system where they're working hard at coming up with some good plans to make the seniors feel special and see each other before they leave and go off to college, everybody. So the schools here in Cleveland are all closed and businesses, most people work from home that we know. Stores we can go to, it's just the grocery stores basically that are open. They have almost shut down majority of other stores that are not uh, called essential. Yeah, you know, the hardware stores and the home repair stores for men, <laughs> that is essential. So Home right. Depot <laughs> Home Depot stayed open. We even got our car repaired. Stores. Our car. Yeah, but on a very limited basis. And yeah. so restaurants, bars, uh, social venues, nightclubs, yeah. uh, concerts and so forth, those are still restricted access. Is there a decline in cases? Have you reached your peak yet, as far as you know? The state of Ohio has peaked. or It is it's, flattening. It's, it's flattening yeah. out. Numbers are a little up and down, but not a, a very big variety anymore. Yeah. But it's still sort of... Uh, Plateaued. Yeah. In Ohio, we have a fantastic government team. There's a medical health specialist... Dr. Acton. She she and the governor and the entire team of leadership have really done an outstanding job and have been recognized not only in our state by, you know, those of us who live here, but also nationally. So we feel lucky in Ohio as a state, our case volume for those infected with COVID has been relatively low compared to some of the other states. The hospital beds have not been filled up. And I think that they expected more people. So we are uh, lucky that not more people got sick, you know, from Ohio. But since we have a very good leadership team here, all of our friends that we talk to, everybody is looking to them for guidance and and follow their lead. So it's been very good. Yeah, leadership is, is, is critical in times like this. So it's good to hear that you have that in Ohio. So now heading um, over to Europe, over to Sweden, Ulrika, I understand that the Swedish policies have generated some controversy in, in some places. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Stockholm has not closed down. Sweden has not closed down. And it has been both good and bad because we are listening. In Sweden, we are listening a lot to our um, to the government, the welfare government. Uh, I'm sorry for the words. The social um, welfare system? Yeah, I think yeah. that's what you mean. Yes, yeah. exactly. And uh-huh. that is really, really controversial. Very, very high educated, really, really good man called Anders Tegnell. I think you might have heard about him. And when he stepped up, Everyone was a little shocked, I think, because um, he didn't want Sweden to close down. 
Instead, we kept everything open. We talked about social distance. We talked about how to behave, how we lead the response, response to the people. And all the people took that big response. We have been having the society open since it started. Of course, you don't sit and eat on the restaurants like you did before, because uh, it's like one and a half meters or two meters or something in between. Uh, it's the same with the bars. So it's still open. But it's very much talk about the social distancing. The restaurants who can't deliver that distance, they get warnings. And uh, if they don't listen to the warnings, they shut them down. But they can open again if they arrange, rearrange uh, how they work or how the tables are or whatever. Ulrika, didn't the high schools and the universities close? Uh, no, they... Uh, I don't know about the universities, probably. My daughter yeah. goes to the gymnasium, which is to compare with... High school. Yeah, senior high school, isn't it? And uh, it's all distance learning today. And I think it's the same with the universities. But my uh, my younger one, who's in the sixth grade, he's still in school and goes to school every day. But we have the opportunity, if we want to, to have homeschooling. But uh, most people send their kids to school. They have learned to wash their hands, really, <laughs> for real. But they, they go to school, they wash their hands, they play ball, they wash their hands. They uh, take a lesson, they wash their hands. So it's very much up to the individual. Okay. And uh, is that working? Definitely. So now our uh, we talked about the uh, reproduction, uh, rep reproduction factor. Transmission. <laughs> so when you, you spread the, the virus. And we are at 0 0.85 now. It's starting to get really good results, but I don't. I, I'm not sure. I mean, that was the news like a couple of hours ago, so it might have changed. <laughs> but I think I think we are doing really well in Sweden. And, uh, we listen a lot to our government. People are taking this very serious, but nothing is really close. So we can go and shop. We can go to rest restaurants. We can go to work, but no one. Does. So we work from home, both my husband and I and uh, our big one. So that's how most people do. It, it sounds like there are some rules that restaurants and bars need to follow in terms of the spacing of tables mm -hmm. and how crowded it's going yes. to be. But they can stay open as long as they abide by those rules. And then... Yeah. For the rest of it, there's an option. People can go to work or they could work from home if that's something that, that's possible for yeah. them. Um, yeah. And then for schools, um, it sounds like for younger children, schools are in session. And older students, it's uh, remote learning, distance learning. Yeah. What about like concerts and sporting events? Are those still happening? We are all shut down. We only allow uh, 50 people or less to meet. 
And I often go out to meet some of my friends and things like that because I'm 17. I obviously <laughs> want to hang out with my friends and things like that. So we usually meet five people uh, in maximum 10 people at a time. We often keep our distance from each other, but we also like to hang out with each other and yeah. go, for example, uh, yesterday we played some football and things like that, or uh, yeah, soccer. So for me, it has not changed so much. It's more about feeling alone and things like that when, you always, when you're always at home and studying at home, when you can meet your classmates and things like that. Thank you for sharing that. That is something that really worries me because our son, he's in school, he can play, he plays basketball, they play soccer, they do a lot of stuff because they're younger, they go to school, but the older students, they really need to see other people. I'm a little worried about what will happen in a couple of months because they only hang out with their parents and four more kids. Yeah. I think it's really important to talk about uh, depression and things like that because in our age, it's very common. It increases more and more as the time goes when you feel this loneliness all the time yeah. and you can't talk to people in the same way. You don't have you don't have that emotional connection to people yeah. anymore. It's really sad how I can't meet my grandma and grandpa, for example. And me as a teen... Uh, think about things like death and many things that is um, you speculate very much around everything and I think it gets really hard in some days when um, can, you don't have, have an answer for anything you feel kind of lost and I'm always afraid of losing my grandma or grandpa for example or my parents and I think that is really with a big change for us because we can protect them as we could before. I think that's really important to talk about how it, how it would be for teens and young adults in the next months. Mm-hmm. But it's really good that we have uh, psychiatrists uh, that can talk with us online and, uh, if it is anything yeah. we need. Yeah, they have extremely good support from school, so it feels good for us parents because I feel the loneliness they feel. And that's really sad. So that's the worst part. I mean, being in a house together with your parents 24-7. Right, not not any young person's dream, for sure. So you said that there's counseling or, or therapists that are available for students. Is that what I understood? Yes. Uh, in school, we have... I go to... Um, a gymnasium uh, or high school and uh, we have 2,000 students in many different kind of uh, programs. programs. We have two guiding counselors, we have two nurses, uh, school nurses, and we have two school uh, therapists. Uh, They are amazing, uh, every one of them. Uh, I have going to talk to two of them. Both of them have uh, reached out to me. I think it's really good to have someone to talk to because uh, many teens uh, doesn't feel that like they can talk to their parents about everything and they don't have the same connection with their friends. So it's really good to have someone that you always can talk to day or night. That's really amazing 
uh, about Sweden. I think that we always provide the help for the younger generation so we can always grow. And you talk to them about the corona? Yeah, <clears throat> or not about that, but talk a lot about this uh, social things, uh, how social media is a base uh, in our lives and how we... Um, how all this is affecting you yeah. as individuals. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And it's amazing how we can always have this uh, distance contact through our phones and video chat, Snapchat, Instagram, mm. and all these little things mm. because you get kind of a connection with people even though they aren't there. And of course, I meet uh, some of my friends, my uh, my best friend, uh, the Syria. We see each other four times a week, but mm. we always stay home. Otherwise, mm. we are not with each other. So I'm at her house or she's at my house and we don't go out and things like that. So mm. we go on picnics. Uh, the government uh, is um, really good at telling us uh, things we can do instead of things we can't do. Uh, so we can we can go on walks. We keep a good distance. Uh, we have many family friends where we live, so uh, I can go on a walk with uh, some of them and uh, just talk and socializing in that area. I think it's very much your own responsibility. We get some guidelines, so people are taking so much responsibility for everything themselves so you don't have to shut down restaurants because people sit where they can sit I mean if you have like five tables and it's distance between them they don't put the tables together so Swedes are very much they are listening very much to the government People have listened to the government here too in uh, many states. It's been really sort of like Sweden too. I just think the difference here is now when they're starting to reopen, many businesses are very hesitant about opening up because they're afraid for their staff and for the customers to develop this virus again. So... Even if they're allowed to open, at least here in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, that they are thinking twice about doing it or on a very, very limited basis. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of different and, factors to weigh there. And I think that's a big difference between us because we have just, everything has kept on going. But of course... Uh, People are not buying as much as they did. We are not going to the restaurants. So so for many people, the businesses aren't going so well. But when we come back to sort of normal, we don't have so much to open up because it has been open all the time. And it seems like Swedes are being very responsible and they have good leadership and good guidance on what to do and what not to do. And it yeah. seems like there's a lot of support that's built into your your system yeah. that makes it a little bit easier to know what to do. In terms of your elderly, how are they fitting in with, with all of this? It depends on how you look at it. <laughs> we are doing this 
I'm working for, from home, not because I like it or because I'm afraid of getting ill. It's because, because we want to protect the elderly and the sick. We really do everything we can so they can be protected. Now it's better, but in the beginning, they were outside. They were, oh, I'm just going to meet my friend for coffee. Yeah, but you shouldn't do that. You have to sit on a distance. You can't go to the store at three o'clock in the afternoon because everyone else is there. So you have to take care. You can shop six o'clock in the morning because no one else is shopping then. It was a little uh, in the beginning, but now I think they are really behaving. Yeah. Because of this, um, we want to protect everyone. And uh, some friends of mine are starting a business on Facebook where they go and shop for the elders, what they need, and then come to their door, but don't meet them. So they lay the money outside and then trade food for money and things like that. So we always do the, the best we can to help. Yeah. And I haven't seen my grandparents in so long, but that's only because I care about them and I... Yeah often call them every day mm. so I think it's really important to show our support mm. and not just stay at home because they, they need to know that we care and that's why we do this mm. that's another thing with the elderly because I, I really think they behave now but we normal people or we don't have any protection like you have in the US we live pretty much as normal but when we see someone with protection we are thinking, oh my God, he must be really sick. <laughs> we we are, I think we we live pretty much the same. As, as we did before, yes. But we protect the elders, so that's why we work from home. It sounds like a, a lot of social responsibility that you're taking without needing too much regulations from the government. In terms of any particular thoughts or, or experiences that this pandemic has brought to you. I know, Alice, you were talking about people thinking about death and, and having to deal with this isolation and distancing from your friends and your typical social life. That is not something that many young people in living memory, at least in wealthier countries, have really had to deal with. So now you're having to think about these issues and deal with them. So that's certainly something it sounds like that will have a lasting impact. Is there anything that has been positive from this or is it pretty much just difficult? I think that you appreciate people more. When things like this happen, you see how much people care about you and you also get to show how much you care about them. Uh, and I think that's really important to this new society, especially in Sweden. Uh, elders don't uh, associate with younger people, uh, with the younger generations. And I think that that's not good for either of us. This makes us get a better connection with each other. For example, my grandma is not so good at uh, technology, but I have showed her how to FaceTime. So when we talk, we FaceTime. And nice. I think that's really important to show the elders that we care. And I think we can do that if we show our support in a better way. And I think that's really what we are trying to do. 
before we head back over to our Cleveland crew, Ulrika, is there anything that you wanted to share about the experience, how it's affected you, or positives or negatives, thoughts about the future? I think something good is coming out of this horrible situation, anyhow. When you see all the animals um, around Venice, when you can see dolphins around Venice, and now you can see right through the water, you can see the bottom. So something good is coming from this anyway. We need a wake-up call from the world, the earth. Stay at home, relax, don't buy so many things, and take care of the world a little. Something that we think about and talk about a lot. Maybe it's just me and my generation, but I think that when something happens, it's uh, happening for a reason. I think that the reason this is happening, the world needs to come together. For example, now we have this podcast with the people from America, and we need to meet new generations, cultures, people from other countries, and we need to support each other through through all of this. I think that's the most important thing, to help each other, uh, because I think that it will be so much better in the end. Trust each other, trust other countries, trust other people. Mm -hmm and make a relationship with them so we can improve this world and it can be better in general. A little wake-up call from the earth. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you very much for for sharing that. And I'm hearing a call, a desire for more connection within communities and then also across cultures and countries, thinking about the future, thinking about the planet and can adjust our behaviors a little bit so that our planet can renew in a way. And while we're doing that, we can connect um, at a personal level, whether it's in our family, showing our, our grandparents and neighbors that we care about them or by meeting new people in, in other countries. So that's that's what I'm hearing from you in Stockholm. Thank you. Heading back over to Cleveland, what are the thoughts that you want to share about your experience and in, in thinking about the future? Well, we agree with the Stockholm family that the world needs to be cleaner and people need to be involved more in their choices. I mean, Sweden is very good about thinking about the nature. And we in the United States have a lot to learn from Sweden when it comes to that. I think this kind of crisis situation, when things happen like this, I think people really start coming down with both feet on the ground and think about values, what's most important. You start really caring for each other and you want to help out. So I think that that is what we have seen both among neighbors, friends, and when you look at social media, you see all these groups that are starting, like Alice was saying too, about helping older people with chores and just be helpful and show that you care about each other. And I think that we absolutely, all of us can do a better job with caring for others. Something good can come out of something bad. I think it's important for us to try to look at the positive side, that the light in the tunnel, and think that this We're all working towards the same goal. We can all help each other to develop something 
something good in the end, even if we might have to change a few things going forward. When they have developed a vaccine that we can, this time around, <laughs> go back to some kind of normalcy. To pick up on what Anki's saying, I mean, one of the big words that we've talked about is gratitude. So gratitude for families and gratitude for just as Ulrika and Alice had said, the simpler things in life. We've refocused our attention away from the hectic pace that we all so easily get caught up in and have become more conscious of the fact that events can happen very quickly that can change lives profoundly that can't take for granted what's going to happen in anyone's life moment to moment or certainly over the long period and i think in that sense the kind of the american mindset of delayed gratification is perhaps being somewhat disrupted at least in our house and some of the people that we've talked to where people are starting to say waiting until a graduation date to start a life or you know a retirement date or some some target that is always in the future is perhaps not the best approach and then also from a community health perspective i think the real focus on behavior modification being respectful of others and that means respecting personal distances adhering to proper hygiene and just being a little more guarded about close proximity exchanges, the greetings of a handshake or a hug. And in a family situation, it's one of those simple things that we could easily took for granted, but now can't wait to resume with those who we're close to. The perspective has changed because sharing that is a much more personal exchange and therefore a little more valuable in that sense, rather than just a gesture that's uh, automatic. Yeah. So what I'm hearing from you there is kind of reflections on what things are intimate that we maybe took for granted before or didn't really think about what this actually means. And how can we be a little bit more present in our daily lives and and rather than waiting for some future date to begin something, maybe we can start that today and we can be present in our lives and grateful for what we have, try to see the positives, think about that rather than being wrapped up too much in what we can't do in the the, the disaster that's happening. Instead, focus on on the positive. And that sounds to me like if everybody's doing those things, then there will be that shift that you've all been talking about. I'm definitely heartened by everything that the four of you have been saying. I'm sure many of our listeners will be as well. Thank you. Thank you very much for for sharing your perspective and your thoughts. Deeply appreciated. And before we sign off, is there any last things that you want to say? Are there any questions that you have or final comments that you would like to share? I think in United States, there are very big differences between social classes. And what is incredibly sad is that people have lost their jobs and the kids are home from school. And there are some really tough family situations that I hope that there would be some good, maybe some kind of 
problem solving to work with some of those situations. That would be extremely valuable because I think we can be appreciative of our situation because we're not living paychecks to paycheck. I think in many situations, it's very, very tough and hopefully there can be some extra emphasis and resources towards those situations. Yeah, in the United States, our social safety net really is underdeveloped for a country that is as rich as we are here in the United States. Our social safety net is socially underdeveloped, particularly when you compare that with Sweden. We all heard the marvelous resources that Alice has access to through her school. While those are available here, the access is stratified. People who are at the lower end of the economic scale are in a much more difficult situation where being able to be distant is difficult. You know, the congestion in communities and tight housing environments. I hope the United States can open our eyes to the entire population and create a social network that's more inclusive. I'm glad that you brought that up because it certainly is a reality that not everybody necessarily has the luxury of togetherness being a good thing. Who can work from home? There are many people whose jobs don't exist anymore. They are unemployed. They're a small business owner and they're just racked with anxiety about what the future will bring. And without having a strong safety net, they're workers in uh, meatpacking plants that are forced to go into work even though it's unsafe for them. Um, for them, I think that this is a very different situation than for those of us who have the the privilege of working remotely or other socioeconomic benefits. So I'm, I'm definitely glad that you highlighted that. And it's, it's certainly my hope as well that we can use this as a time to come together as, as a community, not, o- not only locally, but to think about those people who are less fortunate in our country and what can we do for them from a structural level? You know, how can we advocate? Um, As I said before about this, um, in my generation, people from the age of uh, 14 to 21, it's very common with depression and things like that. We really need to... um, work with these things to provide a better uh, future. I think we really need to focus uh, on these parts that we have talked about, especially the things with the the economics and also how hard the people that work with this virus and uh, every day trying to save people how they are um, uh, affected by all this, how they can't be home with their family, instead they have to work and uh, trying to save people every day. And I think that's really important to highlight, that we uh, need to appreciate uh, the things they do. Overall, we need to appreciate people for what they are. Everyone needs to see things from their perspective too. I really want to thank uh, thank all 
the people that works uh, or trying to save people every day, but also the teachers, uh, the police, mm -hmm. uh, and also everyone that stays at home working. And Great. yeah, and uh, I'm really grateful, and I think everyone should be grateful because of this, how the world world um, comes together and trying to help each other through all of this this crisis. Thank you for sharing that. We have a lot of people to take care of after this, all over the world. Yeah. Yes. We have so many people who need a different kind of support. We do. So it sounds like a call for people to be more supportive and to think about those who, who will need help in a way that maybe they previously didn't need help or maybe they did previously need help but this this crisis can shed a light on that yeah all right yes well thank you all so much for coming on and take good care Natalie thank you so much for uh bringing all of us together and to talk about this important uh, situation we really appreciate it and we wish you all the luck both for this project that you're working on and we'll be listening to all these podcasts now. <laughs> yeah. Thank yes, you. Thank right. you. Take care. Good luck. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.